Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Owen O'Sullivan and today's guests on the show are Sunita and Emmett from the Cork band Shukra, who have just released their debut album. It's self-titled. It's called Shukra, yes. And you can get it on Bandcamp, you can get it on Spotify, you can get it wherever wherever you want. Uh, it's long awaited. They've been around since about 2014 and they've played all of the gigs. They've released a couple of singles, a couple of EPs along the way, but I think it's safe to say that this album is very much long awaited. Uh, they're completed by Brian Dunley on bass, Dermot McCorrig on keys and Daniel Collin on guitar. Sneet is the singer and Emmett is the drummer. Emmett has also made a couple of videos for the band as well. You might recognise a couple of singles that are on the album, Flex, Don't Wanna Doubt You and the latest single, Notions, are all there. I've only had the album on repeat since it came out on Friday. I've had it on repeat all weekend. Uh, I think it's great. I'm really digging it. I think it's... Uh, it just sounds so good, so funky. Uh, you can check it out live at a couple of shows that they have lined up for the rest of the year for the month of November. They're playing uh, the Kino in Cork for the official album launch on November 15th and they're doing a Dublin album launch in Bellobar on November 17th. So I definitely recommend that you get along to see Shuka live for the full experience. So I'm going to play you a snippet of my favourite track so far. It's called What Is It? And then we're going to get straight into the interview with uh, Emmett and Sunita and then at the end you're going to hear Notions in full so definitely support Chukra in any way you can and if you like what you hear you can uh, subscribe to The Point of Everything, tell a friend or do whatever you want to do really I don't I don't mind you know it's up to you so uh, yeah this is What Is It by Chukra. <laughs> So here with Sunita and Emmett from Shukra, who have just released their debut album, self-titled debut album. Congratulations on it, guys. Thank you. Hey. First of all, we'll get the jazz review 
uh, over and done with because you guys were playing Collins last night and Emmett I think you saw a few things over the weekend so you're the official uh, TPOE Jazz Festival review person for this segment mm-hmm. just because I saw zero jazz well mm-hmm. I actually did see one bit of jazz over the weekend it was um, some guys playing some music in the library on Thursday afternoon oh in the, in the like public library yeah in the city library That's yeah. very on Thursday it wasn't even the weekend I know they were pre- preempting the jazz and that was probably as jazzy as it's going to get over the weekend as well did the librarian shush them <laughs> no, no, it, it was a, a it was a designated gig. <laughs> it's not a <laughs> guerrilla jazz it hasn't gig. Hasn't off yet. <laughs> um, so, Emma, what was uh, the weekend like? Yeah, very good overall. I mean, very busy. Obviously, I kind of like. I think I like the daytime a bit more than I like the nighttime of the jazz in general, as in just around town. The daytime is like just loads of kind of nice vibes and nice energy around the place, and then the nighttime it kind of gets a bit. 28 days later or whatever um but no it was really good probably the the standout for me because it felt like real jazz and in a really nice venue was the blue note in the kino uh which was dan walsh dearmid or dearmid mcgorrig our our keyboard boy um now mcginnis and jabin ward on sax uh, and it was just really nice because they used to always play in the roundy a lot and I used to go to a lot of that and I feel like there hasn't been one in ages so it's just really nice to have that during the jazz festival and yeah the Kino is just such a nice venue especially for that actually kind of for everything I've seen there it's like it kind of molds itself around whatever act is on stage and becomes like a really nice perfect setting mm. and it's got a really sick sexy curtain at the back as well Crushed velvet. Would it be crushed velvet? Is that what you call it? Yeah. Yeah. Softly crushed. It crushed my heart anyway. <laughs> and uh, I guess we'll get the plug out of the way early. Shuka are playing the keynote for your album launch in yes. a couple of weeks. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, we are. All right, Barry. And it's on the 15th of November, yeah, Friday the 15th. Friday, kicking off the weekend. Yeah. We have support. We'll have special guests. There's all kinds of exciting treats lined up for it, which we won't have expose to right now. We have records to sell, t-shirts. T-shirts and whatnot. It's We finally got some merch made. <laughs> yeah. Oh, your first merch. Yeah, we've never, ever got merch. a single item of merch. The Shuka Merchandise Show. Oh, yeah. Come and spend all of your money. <laughs> There's some. What, what, what do you have? T-shirts? We got tees. We got records, not tea bags now. We wouldn't fight with Barry that way. But well, I, I saw I saw Jack Collins Dublin poster yeah. for your gig up in yeah, Bellow Bar. Yeah. I don't know if you have the date. We'll get that. 17th. 17th of November. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and it's the box of sugar with chukra. I know. Yeah. On it. Um, really hoping that we don't get I'm not sued for that. I don't. Probably too. We literally are not even. They owe us, if anything. An itch on their knee. Yeah. I, I was wondering, could you do that line of merchandise as well? Your own. That's the thing. I think that's where it probably would become pretty problematic. Okay. So you're not going to get into the condiments side of merchandise. I've always wanted to be a condiments uh, kingpin. Okay. (laughs) That's where the money is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Forget the music. There's a gap in the market now in the sugar industry because it's kind of, you know, everything's sugar free now, (laughs) but it's going to come back in a big way. I feel like 2020 is going to be sugar's year. You know what you should do now, actually, (laughs) is make a, a batch of face masks with sugar because, you know... Okay, so you could be kind of nibbling on as the night goes on then. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's you wouldn't be able to genuinely sleep, though, good because idea. all of the energy that you're getting from nibbling on the sugar, you'd be waking up in the middle Put of the night. Put it absorb into your skin. <laughs> Think of all that sugar that's coming in. Oh, and you're hard. Let's, let's get into this business and test out as to what the viability of yeah. this actually is. <laughs> um, Imagine if we did. Wouldn't that be like, wow, I was not expecting that from them. Let's take this imagining into a real... It'll, we'll pivot the podcast into a business, <laughs> into an SME podcast. Send it to Dragon's Den. Yeah. Um, and how was your show in Collins last night? It, wasn't, it was kind of like, you weren't saying too much about it because it you know, you've teaser. got the album launch. Yeah, yeah, it was a teaser show. It was fun. Collins is always a really great place to play. And I think we played there for the first time last year at Jazz as well, right? Was that first mm. time? I think so. In yeah. Collins itself, yeah. we had worked, we had gigged with Collins. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, right it's here, cool. right now, festival. It's a cool, like, small little room. Yeah. It got very, very hot last night. Mm, everyone. Oh, you don't mind that. Yeah, I think that kind of, yeah, it, it was conducive towards everyone just, like, really being into it, really being yeah into it, intimate, all the things. It's nice. Does it feel different playing a show now with an album actually out? Like, I don't know if you actually had full-on Shuker fans there, or was it kind of more of a, mm. a casual crowd that you could tell like oh they've already been listening to the album it's been too early to there, say. Were, there were a few young looking people but then i mean younger than me uh, they were kind of singing along and stuff to yeah. some, of the, some of the songs i didn't they know people knew the lyrics all our friends who even at that i would be surprised if they knew the lyrics because one comment that came back to me from friends last night uh after after the show and i was just i was like um we were all enthralled by how many words you fitted into your songs and <laughs> we're weighing up like the quirk spectrum of like musicians where you have like some really like experimental you know um minimalist uh, artists like crevice who like repeat one word to emote various different emotions and then on the other side is like sunita with like essentially rap singing and i was like wow i hadn't considered that i was saying so much <laughs> so yeah I hope you guys enjoy the album. It's just kind of like projectile, mental projectile vomiting. Uh, is it Beautiful weird? image. <laughs> is, it, is it weird having that kind of conversation now on a night out? Like people actually like wanting to talk to you about the music and you're like, but you're my friend. So you know, we should be. Oh, yeah, I thought it was that. gas. One of them said that they're going to do a word count. So I'm very curious to find out what the actual <laughs> word count of the whole album will be. Yeah. Um, does it feel like a kind of a weight off your shoulders actually having an album out in the world now? Did it? feel a couple of years ago like i feel like it's a long time coming mm. you've been together yeah, for yeah. a long time mm-hmm. yeah even the album itself was a long time coming mm. the, yeah we just kind of really took our time with it <laughs> not really on purpose either i think that was a good yeah. learning curve as well though because like you know i think pretty much after the ep we we're like we're gonna write an album you know and then we went into writing loads of songs and we you know it was just like that urgency to want to actually have an album and write loads of songs but um without really kind of considering what kind of an album that we wanted. And it wasn't only as we were continuing to like write and like newer songs better and then wait, like have retrospect over like a batch of songs as to, you know, it, it kind of informed like, oh, we're writing an album, but we actually have to consider like, what do we want from it? What should the peaks and troughs of it be? And, and what is a good album, do you know? Because like we, mm. we wrote like, like loads of songs straight after deciding that we we're going to write an album after the kind of, the highs of the second EP and pretty much most of them were discarded maybe by one like there's maybe only one that's actually on the album now which is probably Reformer which even at that was like nearly not going to be on the album and then we invited God Knows to be on it and he really flipped the the kind of mood of it so it was mm. good good le- like it probably for some people it doesn't necessarily take that time but I, I think in our case it kind of took that time because it needed to because yeah 
I hope it's not as long next time. <laughs> or I'm out. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a big uh, weight <laughs> off of Emmett's shoulders for sure. He yeah. definitely did a lot of the heavyweight lifting in terms of making the album overall, in fairness. Yeah, uh, you mixed it, Emmett? You mixed a uh, couple I of mi- songs? Yeah, some of them. Um, I think three songs. So there was like four. Four was mi- was mixed by Michael Heffernan. One was Burr Quinn. Mm-hmm. And then there was two, I think, by Fenno, Brendan Fennessy, who recorded the album with us. Mm. Brendan Fennessy of O Emperor best band in Ireland who no longer R-I-P. exist yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so I only mixed three but I think even though it's all different mixers on the album it doesn't sound too kind of disparate mm. and weird or whatever um maybe the mastering kind of pulled them all together a bit more I guess you guys also well produced everything as well yeah myself and mostly myself and Dermot and Dunley as well we were all uh, spent a lot of time together just deleting synth parts, adding synth parts, putting in bass things, little noises, you know, experimental stuff. It sounds like you can almost get too deep into an album where you're just oh, like yeah. tearing your hair out Yeah, at some points with it. Yeah, you just, I think, it's not so much like tearing your hair out, but more like just letting your hair grow way too long and then you can't <laughs> see through your hair because you you can't even remember whether you have hair anymore. Or whether you were ever alive because your hair is so long. <laughs> so you wow. just kind of, wow. you just, um, you keep like reopening the files and going, okay, let's look at this again. Mm. I know we fixed it like two weeks ago, but let's refix it. And, you know, you can just drive yourself mad by just being kind of overly. I think that you guys had like a different kind of. um relationship with like I think like there's something to be said for like you know producers that like produce an album and they read they do everything record it and like sing and make you know do every like yeah make all the composites of their music and the and an album and it's one thing probably to be one person making those decisions and like being so invested and pedantic about it but then you have five people in the band that are really really capable of kind of all of those things in terms mm. of recording mixing production video so like everyone being so invested in it and really wanting it to be the best thing that it can be probably made it a really educational thing for you but uh, like sometimes I was like there's something to be said for just not actually having those talents because you just have to have a handover at some point where you're like someone else has to just go and do this and I'll have mm. to come back and feedback what I want from it and stuff it's probably hard to have that removal yeah. sometimes where you know where you just give it over to someone and go you you go meddle with it there now and we'll see what happens and then yeah. come back mm. you know it's probably the, one of the main reasons why it took so long for us to complete an album because we're all just so kind of invested in the minutia like and just the, every detail of every mm-hmm. song or whatever we're all always skeptical about bits and like convincing each other it needs to be fixed and you know mm-hmm. it kind of it has its pluses and minuses i suppose it's good that we're all completely invested and involved but it just also means everything takes mm-hmm. a bit longer it's like peer reviewing mm-hmm. science so so you can that nobel prize <laughs> <laughs> you can totally understand why someone um uh, what's his name Brian Wilson from the Beach yeah. Boys could spend like 30 years on Smile yeah. or something <laughs> like yeah, that yeah. Yeah. absolutely yeah. like you could easily have spent longer on this album if he wanted to if he had mm. yeah. like, if we had the wherewithal to <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Just but yeah. I don't think you need to I think it's a great album I yeah. love how funky it is it yeah. seems like you turned up the bass or something on it oh. I think we just turned up the Dunley yeah we got Brian Dunley it's gonna make a weird um, pun about so yeah, he just anyway never mind yeah, he just has loads of mental bass cool ideas. Mm. 
Yeah, he's so he's always going to be pushed somewhat to the fore, I think, because he's dancing around like a lunatic, mm. bass-wise. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about the timeline of the album, just because, Sunita, the last time that you were on uh, the podcast, it was around the time of Gorascophobia yes. came out. And I think I remember saying to you, it felt like this was a bit of a change in the band, you know, like you were mm. talking about like a big topic and it felt like uh, you were kind of moving on a little bit, maybe from Shukra, one p- the first version mm. of Shukra. Mm. Like, I don't know if you'd agree with that, but do you feel like this is definitely like the culmination of that next phase? And also, I was surprised mm. that Graskophobia isn't on the album. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess sonically it was part of a different thing in terms of the, the natural kind of progression of like Shukra's sound. I think it just it, it organically happens because it's just different faces in it and stuff. We're like five people now. We're a quintet. Uh, we've lost Melody along the way, but she's, you know, in the UK doing other interesting things for herself. Um, probably between Jarscophobia, that EP and the album, we, you know, gained Brian. Um, I think probably part of, um, where, did we record with Brian? The second EP, I don't think we did. No, we not with Eden. Did, no. So like it had a different bassist altogether. And so the dynamic naturally would have been very different, you know. And maybe that was like a weirder EP. EP we're kind of maybe trying to explore like some grittier and kind of darker sounds and stuff. So now we've yeah calibrated all of those learnings and really spent a long time trying to yeah exactly investigate ourselves as to like what do we, what balance do we want to have in the album overall, which is now the album as is, and that's why it probably felt very appropriate to also just call it Shukra as well, because uh, I think that we are definitely a lot more assertive as to like what we like ourselves to sound like and. Um, what we think people enjoy of us you know was it actually kind of almost a self-assessment of you know what we do well what we don't want to do anymore yeah i think pretty much it's kind of a fair that's (laughs) a fair analysis yeah yeah because i guess yeah that there was like the old kind of shuker stuff was a a bit more i don't know i guess kind of upbeaty neo soul poppy or something i don't know and then that the previous ep cliches it got a bit more kind of dark synth kind of vibes and stuff. But maybe the songs weren't as kind of like catchy or focused. Um, and then I feel like when it came around to doing the album, then we'd kind of figured out, well, in our eyes anyway, and in our way, how to be kind of a bit interesting and dark and off kilter, but also just like something you can tap your foot along to or dance to or show your aunts and uncles. At a bar mitzvah, you know. Sweet. Yeah. Sweet measure. So what kind of was the first song that maybe did it set the tone for the album that you were like, oh, this is exactly what we want and what we needed for the next phase of Shukra? Can you remember? Hmm. I think that like the first couple of songs that we wrote as we decided that we're going to write an album were like, we did like a live recording of two of them in Dearmid's house they are not on the album so i've arrived and pushing and a couple of other ones and then i think that we kind of landed on a a vibe or like one that we were like okay let's because we were very kind of i suppose yeah we're very tactful about how we were going to go about the recording process in that we knew that we wanted to have a certain amount of songs we voted on how many songs we want to have on the album which then dictated there's a lot of voting in our band (laughs) it's insane we've yeah yeah, we've uncovered like the the flaws of like a democratic system but also just completely (laughs) surrendered to it because we don't other otherwise know how to agree with each other what else do you vote on uh pretty much what was the recent one that was uh and you can't veto uh there's been vetoes but then 
it, it just it just it like yeah it just encourages a whole other conversation on like what the voting system should be and then there's a vote on that and yeah no look we don't need to get into like the shooter process <laughs> it's but it's really funny <laughs> it's funny retrospectively it's just absolutely like frustrating at the, at the time yeah. it's like why but I think Don't Want to Doubt You was the one that we like, we, we decided that we required that. Like once we kind of had that, and we we're like, that's yeah. kind of a good bop now. We reckon that, you know, it'd be good to like put that out. And like, yeah, so basically we were like trying to be like, okay, we, we can only, we only have a certain amount of songs that we can record. It's going to take, you know, it's going to be a heavy enough lift in terms of doing that. So we really have to be focused as to which ones we're not going to like record everything and then just start eliminating um, songs at that point. So Don't, Don't Want to Doubt You was one that we were like, pretty much unanimously like yeah let's do that from there in terms of like yeah i think we organized ourselves in that we'd write like six songs listen like retrospectively listen to them vote on which ones we felt were the ones to go on the album and then record the next batch so i remember don't want to doubt you was one that felt like mm. the starting point of actually recording the album and then we kind of released it like almost straight away as its yeah. own single yeah just to yeah. kind of whet the appetite for new stuff because mm. i don't think we'd released anything in quite a while at that point so yeah. you had to throw something out there mm. were you actually wrestling with the idea of you know just keep on releasing singles and videos rather than actually doing an album just because that seems to be like the main conversation that bands have nowadays yeah. it's like mm. what's almost the point of having an album yeah what's the right yeah release strategy or whatever i think yeah everyone's just doing whatever the fuck they want which is really cool. I really like, I dig that. Um, just seeing the weird ideas that people kind of come up with in terms of like uh, creating a brand, which is basically like ultimately with the the singles and videos things, it, that's kind of consumed with a bigger question of like creating a brand, creating a community, creating a following and what's the best way to engage a following. And I'm really yeah interested in, in how people are doing that and everyone's just doing so many things. You have like artists like, you know, like Milo's and the Thundercats and like some really kind of quirky Irish rappy, weird R&B stuff. And they barely might kind of engage with people on a social media, you know, level or releasing stuff. But then that just only kind of fosters a hunger for everyone to be like really curious and be anticipating when it is that they do something. Because you know that if they're going to be on the Internet for whatever reason, engaging with you, something is coming up like there's an album on the way and there'll be a very limited supply, you know. And so there's that like whole and like even Beyonce has tapped into that where it's just like I just dropped a random album and gave you the gift of the Lion King or whatever, you know, and you're just like, when the fuck are you doing shit? And like, you know, everyone's just like waiting, you know? And then on the other hand, you have like other artists that like constantly release singles and videos, um, like the whole time to kind of build that like following. I'd say like even like the likes of Kojak will fall in that category where it's just like a constant output and you're like, where do you even get the time to like, you know? So long story short, we've been kind of taking stock of all of these things and trying to find our particular... Um, where where we fit in all of that and um and like this album was very much a learning curve as far as that I, I don't know so whether we'd approach it in the same way next time around you know uh or, or what we'd what we'd have like kind of learned from do the, the same process. but a lot quicker <laughs> yeah i think yeah uh, like yeah for me i definitely was just like i would love to ha be able to be in the position where we were, we were putting loads of like you know singles and video content out there but again it's just a different process I suppose of actually making songs and recording all of that like we learned that we actually couldn't do that we tried to do that probably but don't want to doubt you and even flex and then it just took like quite a while in between to get everything ready and make it make sense you know so um it's also just nice to have an album you know it just yeah. feels like more of a I don't know an important mm. thing to be a part of 
Yeah, but it's interesting. I mean, like, what is an album anymore? People have like, you know, one minute songs with 12, 12 songs with one minutes, you know? So like yeah. technically in terms of a number count of songs and a body of work, that might be an album. Like Tierra Wack has made a whole career, yeah, just, you know, yeah. uh, career for herself doing that. But like it, in like her live show is probably only 20 minutes all in all. Do you know what I mean? In terms of the songs are like about a minute-ish, two minutes. Um, and like she got a breakthrough, like, I don't know being exposed by Childish Gambino and stuff in her songs and her, her artistry and her visual kind of composition is like the thing that really carries the weight of her career now but she's doing incredibly well Do you know so there's like so many questions within that you're like oh is it better just to kind of have like a really class visual idea and really good music but maybe to be minimalist in terms of what output you're actually putting there and really build this hunger for like class cool visual content or you know on the other hand have like really excellent musicianship for a whole album and it could be 50 minutes or whatever and who knows there's, there is no right way i think just people are figuring out what their what their followings are hungry for like i guess you can never really predict what song or what thing is going to take off yeah for you either like i was listening to the 909 podcast last week and he was talking about mango mathman's album which mm. is supposed to come out this friday i think mm. it's coming out casual work and he it's been two years in the work and it sounds like people have known about it for a long time like yeah. this thing is finally happening but yeah. what took its time was that he made a video for every song on the album mm. Niall was saying so yeah. it's just kind of like that's the strategy all yet to well. be released hmm? like all yet to be released yeah. and stuff I think so yeah he's released well. a couple of singles um yeah. but I don't know is he dropping them all on Friday all of the videos or not but it's like mm. there are so many strategies that you can choose and like people would almost not think of the album if they just love the song or you yeah. know it's the same yeah, thing yeah. with playlisting on Spotify yeah. I don't yeah. really do it I feel like I don't do enough of this playlisting that I hear everybody talking about, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I went to like a Spotify workshop recently and like I am, um, I Spotify is like the main streaming platform of choice for me. Um, so I would listen to some people's playlists, but only people that I'm really like, like I really fully trust them because I generally am so full of myself that I'm like, I can make my own decisions. <laughs> Thank you very much. Do you do theme playlists as well? And like, uh, well, like, yeah, I would, I have like, um, you know, a holiday playlist that's called music to grind to on the beach but also drinking a pina colada like I have like moods you know it's like attitudinal kind of music I'm just like I want to feel like I'm someone I want to feel like I'm Rihanna and her flamenco dinghy but I'm in Malaga with thousands of other people but this music's definitely going to take me there and all of these other people are irrelevant or my minions you know yeah um so that's that's how I playlist <laughs> or I, I'm at a bit I'm at work and I'm being a corporate bitch so I need to be focused right now um yeah, that third the names of my playlist. But yeah, um, I would curate those playlists more so through like release or discover. I love discovering new music. Like I'd go on that and just see what the algorithms tell me they think I like. And sometimes they're right. Most of the time they're right. And you guys have, have gotten onto the like the new era playlists, haven't you? Yeah. Have you seen have you seen like a bounce off them that you're like, Oh, Spotify does work. Yeah, it does, yeah. Yeah. Well you kinda have to be on them or else you're dead in the water basically that's how spotify works now i, mean, I, I, I suppose you can have so. a lot of organic listens like, but like again you know like the milos for instance like so milo is like a kind of i don't know what he calls himself but he's kind of like irish rap basically very very left field of like rap and his following has been a very slow burner kind of following like in terms of probably being able to like fill out and play the sugar club let's say and stuff or like go on tour like it's not as if you see him doing all of that all the time but what he does do is he like makes albums like i don't know what um, releases them on Bandcamp and like his own website he might 
make 200 and they always sell and then what you see on discogs is that they sell at like 60 or 80 euros or whatever else because there's this exclusivity element and he's and that's part of his whole philosophy he's like his whole like rap mantra is that he's like not partaking in the kind of wider movement of the spotify's and the youtubes and all that kind of stuff and so it makes sense for him to have that little kind of you know power player dynamic where He's like, this is the album. This is like the mode that I'm in for this season. And you either get that album and you don't. And I like, I've bought albums of his, not even like ones that are my favorite, but I just buy because I'm like, I want to have an, a Milo album. And because they sell so fast and I know this, like I'm committed to just doing it, even though it's not my favorite one, you know, he's not making it a commodified thing. Whereas then on the other hand, you have, you know, other artists that are completely dependent on like the Spotify's and the YouTube's and the millions of hits and stuff like that. And they might kind of, you know, have a, a faster, um, you know huge fan base or whatever but like again that's part of maybe their whole branding which you know like the likes of Soleil like they're that's a very pop um you know aesthetic and thing that she's building and she's really good at it and she's like playing in H&M and all the different stories across like Europe and stuff like that and that's like that's her goal you know I guess it's part of I think yeah it's it, I think you know it's just people defining what their brand and what they their measure of success is you know um and so I wouldn't necessarily say that Spotify is like the only means of like being successful, but I think mainly what I've learned anyway from all of this is that like you actually just really have to like on some level have a conversation with yourself as to like what it is that you're expecting from this. I like, can be really realistic and then watch how other people are doing it and be ready to like deliver. It, it's it's now it's a whole like my, music is so much more of a like a marketing and merchantable thing now and you just decide as whether you want to partake in it or not and like even if you don't want to partake in it it can still become something that like really you know uh, makes money for you because you're just like hey and this cool thing that doesn't exist in this like commodified instagram you know driven world so everyone's like oh i'm looking for something authentic and real and that can be a pull in an end of itself but um i think everyone has to be way more aware of that now and you have to kind of weigh yourself up as like a retrospective thing and like how people are engaging with you which is kind of hard to do if you're yeah if you haven't been thinking like that before did it take a long time for you to kind of figure that out like did you start off kind of idealistic like very idealistic about what uh the band would be in its first instance and then you were like you know you have to reassess almost like once you see like the the marketability and stuff mm. like that having a role to play yeah i don't know i like i find it interesting i think that we were like in a weird twilight zone i was reading i was reading um quest love's autobiography and i did i felt like I, I couldn't have resonated with it more because he was kind of saying that they, it felt like their um crescendo took a really long time to happen because they were kind of just coming out of like the grassroots kind of like underground hip-hop scene and coming into commercial like hip-hop with like Tupac's and the Biggie's and stuff but whenever Tupac and Biggie came into the scene they really took it over and then that was like that set the tone for like what rap on a commercial level would be like and they were like the roots and really grassroots and still talking about uh stuff on the ground um and it wasn't until they started collaborating with other artists that they kind of made it made it but um I felt like we were in a similar zone because we were like whenever we kind of started we were like oh Shukra and woman and this neo soul and that wasn't really a thing in Ireland and now when you're looking at Ireland like it's the main thing that like is being exported at the moment compared to indie let's say so we were in this weird phase where we're probably figuring out what we wanted to do with that being very much influenced by like the wider context of R&B and jazz and whatever else and um I've like I've definitely certainly like been learning a lot as far as like oh like why are other artists really really bigger like what makes you know the likes of Kojak 
an explosive thing that just everyone immediately gets and like looking at it analytically and being like, yeah, they just do like the marketing thing well, that he's great. He's, you know, he's a great, he makes his own videos and stuff like that. And he just knows what his brand is and it doesn't feel like it's a branded thing. It's just talking to a bunch of people that he knows well and he knows what clicks for them, you know, um, which, yeah. It, it, so I think that like, we never really kind of consider that we were like, we really like this music and we know other people like this music, but in terms of like um, weighing up the different ingredients of a whole picture, like the whole Shukra idea and stuff, we never really kind of weighed in on ourselves as a package as such. And so it's maybe only now as, I don't know, as we, we understand what we want from it anyway, uh, that we can kind of start to decide as to like what that should look like for anybody else and what people should get from that and and yeah, start to kind of assess where the successes will be for us, you know? Yeah. If any. If any. I mean, we, <laughs> we successfully released an album, so. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Um, that's, that's, yeah, that's something. Yeah, like, I mean, it must be such a big goal just to have this ticked off. I mean, Emmett, you were just saying that like, you know, it's so nice just having the album. Mm. Like, have you actually gotten the physical copies of the vinyl record? Yeah. Yet? Yeah. And like, you test them out and you're like, yeah. oh, mm. just so it happy with this. just drop the needle <laughs> and let it play. Like, it, I, I guess it does just feel different to releasing like a single online, does it? Oh, way different. Mm. It feels like, just feels real. <laughs> yeah. And, and different to like dropping the EP as well a couple of years ago? Yeah, I always feel like, because I think like I only kind of learned what an EP was like 10 years ago or something, you know? Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, when I was young and I'd buy albums of like, I think the first album I bought was, um, it was REM. It was Automatic for People, which is pretty cool. But then that was followed up by stuff, <laughs> stuff like Limp Biscuit and like Papa Roach and stuff mm-hmm. when I was really young. But like, I had no idea what an EP was. I just knew that an album is the cool music thing that you buy and then you listen through it loads of times until you're sick of it and you know the exact order and mm. it's its own uh, kind of place in in your mind or whatever, you know, it's, it's kind of set in stone in your memory mm. down to the track order and like what emotions you feel as you go down through each track. Mm. Um, so then I found out that you can release like these little EP things and I was like, what even is that? But I don't know, for nostalgic reasons, I guess, it just feels really nice to have an album. And especially because it's like a short enough album, it's like 10 tracks. I've always liked short albums a lot, like short and sweet albums. Mm. Like Weezer's first album. It's a golden one for me. <laughs> it's a really, album. really good short songs. Yeah, yeah. Um, it sounds like he had a lot to choose from, though. It sounds this was one of the things that he voted on, 10 songs on the album. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Did it kind of get out of hand at one point? You were like, we could have a double album, 18 songs, anything like that. I think if we really, if I think if we just didn't have any discipline around it, it could have been that, but it, it mightn't have made sense. Because again, like it's been two years. So like the, the kind of music that we were making, like at the beginning of our album making process probably would be quite incongruous with the sound that it has now. Whereas I think we've been way more selective. We've got like little snippets of that whole journey now that are collated into one body of work that makes sense we think so and lyrically Sunita it feels like a really positive album as well mm. like from like I haven't learned off all the lyrics yet yeah. I haven't seen the lyrics Shame written down or anything <laughs> but uh is that a fair enough assessment it feels like quite a positive album I, yeah. I can give you an example if you want that I took note of okay. after well I love 
um big bitch energy for like it's positive like it's uh it's confidence and then the track after it what it what is it uh you're singing like i've got to pursue my difference and all of the lyrics that go along Mm. with that i just think it's a really positive album yeah yeah Uh, i guess i'm just a relatively positive kind of gal yeah no i I, it's like i mean i think that like yeah lyrically Often, yeah, it's it it is kind of trying to take a positive spin on things, but also just generally trying to uh, like assert myself that things will be positive. And like Joscophobia sounds like it's an ominous song, but I'm just mainly being like, oh shit, we will die. Um, and I'm young, and I need to remember that. So like, as much as you can kind of passively go through life, there's moments where I'm like, oh, like anything can happen at any given time. What do I really want from anything? And like, also just trying to, you know, um. I don't know, like comfort myself that like probably everyone has that like mini little like, ah, what am I doing? Where am I at? What's going on? You know, and that we're all going through that human condition together. So like, let's just like breathe through it and figure it out. And most of those songs are like that. Like what is as well is probably pretty much a thing like that where I'm just like, what am I doing? What, you know, like, you know, just catching myself being like, I need to remember like what my general missions in life are and if they're for me and like, you know what are they for and am I getting confused by the world am I getting angry by things and like what's the point in that like some of it probably is useful sometimes it's not maybe I can try and like figure out ways to move through whatever emotions or things I'm having and make it productive and make it you know like make it something that is progressive for me so yeah generally like the the messages are kind of positive but not in a like yeah everything's you know great kind (laughs) of way it's just more like most of the time I'm just like you go through life, you're doing things, it's grand, you have emotions in them. And like sometimes I don't even actually fully acknowledge my emotions until it like bubbles up and I'm just like, Wah! let me like process this for a second and unpack what's actually going into myself and figure out like what I want to do with any of those thoughts or emotions going forward. And speaking of positivity, you've got probably the most positive person in the Irish music industry, God knows, on the yeah. last track. <laughs> An interesting tidbit from my point of view is I'm pretty sure that he did that vocal the same day he was in my house uh right. doing a podcast interview i'm pretty oh, sure really? it was yeah. the same day i think you mentioned that on the day actually yeah that's good. that was that's probably like my favorite podcast interview that i've apart from this one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that i've Careful. done this year just because he's so positive like when he came yeah. on the album i was just like god knows yeah it's great yeah. it's great to hear i actually came across some videos on my phone there recently of the day that he was up recording mm. And Merle was there as well, and Denise, mm. and uh, just videos of inside the studio, mm. and you know whoever just panning the camera around, and we're all just like so into it, like listening back to what God knows is just recorded and stuff. Yeah, and it's just like positive is definitely the word for it. Like it was just, it was just so funny actually to watch that day because he injected such life into like the room and our, our actual approach to it. Because like in the middle of the album was like. It, it is a job. Like you're 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 doing something that you really wanted to be excellent and stuff. So. It can be enjoy, you know, it can be enjoyable, but there are points where you're just like really serious about it, and you forget that you're like, this is a thing that I'm just doing for joy on mm. some level, you know, or that like I'm, I have some artistic compulsion to do this and find it serious, but like ultimately the thing that you're hoping for is like an element of joy that someone else gets from it and stuff. And they they were enjoying the song so much, and we were really like, we don't know if we even wanted to be on the album, but we knew that he would do something excellent with it and like their whole energy and the way that they work together was just really nice as well to watch you know where like god knows had the rap and stuff and he was like trying to get into the zone from and he has so much energy and enthusiasm and like denise would be like you know encouraging him but then also just like making really lovely constructive criticism be like yeah you know like you know that you're doing that why don't you you know try this and like Marty was like yeah bro like and they're just really supportive of each other and really 
encouraging and like not it, it just felt like it was work but like pleasure as well and they really kind of revived that energy for us on that day like I, I remember yeah. all of us I think all of us were just like oh like yeah. we were kind of like oh we weird. almost like, forgot how fun it is yeah exactly until they came along yeah and also it was just nice again you know we were in the throes of it probably halfway through the album making process like you're listening to something so repeatedly you're playing it so much you don't actually have any like outward analysis of like what what is this music what does it even sound or like what does it do for anybody else kind of a thing and then they were really vibing with it so we were like oh yeah this is a nice song mm. and you know like it is enjoyable because you had that moment to like step back from it and watch someone else do something with it yeah well it's a great way to end a great album and um so you've already had the conversations this weekend with the people who have already listened to it are you enjoying the feedback that you've gotten so far seems like it's quite positive yeah it's really positive really yeah. yeah yeah i'm mainly kind of just like oh i'm really glad that people are actually listening to it whenever like when someone's like listen to the album i'm like are you tricking me they're like yeah i really like this look and i'm like oh weird <laughs> thanks yeah, yeah. the name of one song written on their hand that they kind of half <laughs> look at me i really liked Refor- reformer yeah, yeah. Uh, and so like what are the plans have you thought ahead or is this kind of like uh like let's just get these shows over and done with let's get the album out and then we'll reassess no uh there are plans we'll probably do an Irish tour in the new year so I think the the kind of agenda for the moment anyway is to do the album launches um we're probably going to release a couple of more tracks in the new year but we also are going to try and time it that we're doing some gigs maybe in the UK and uh, a couple of dates in Europe I think we're thinking potentially Lisbon potentially Berlin so working with them Tyke Byrne of Melty Brains and who would have worked for Choice Cuts to kind of form a little bit of a tour strategy ah the train rolls on yes Mm. exactly yeah cool well uh, congratulations and best of luck with that thanks Thanks, everyone